Hello and welcome to Adventures in Venue Land, an EVMC podcast. Join us for this all-access pass backstage and behind the scenes with some of the brightest minds that cross the scope of the live event industry. I'm Dave Rettelberger. And I'm Paul Hooper. We'll introduce you to incredible guests who journey with us as we dive deep into the world of venues, tours, festivals, and everything in between. Grab your laminate and meet us in Venue Land. Today's adventure takes us somewhere we've never been before. What do you do when you say, you know what, I'm willing to travel for that next great opportunity, but that next great opportunity happens to be in in Fairbanks, Alaska. We're going to find out. We talked with uh, Terrell Eccles. He's uh, the general manager of the Carlson Center. Terrell, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Boy, what an interesting adventure and story we've got. Um, but for folks who, who don't know, tell me a little bit about, about Fairbanks, Alaska. Oh, man. It's different. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, it's nice, though. I think uh, one of the things people would probably be surprised about is it is actually kind of like a little suburb. Fairbanks is in what they call here the interior of Alaska. So we're nestled in between the hills and the Alaska range. So the Alaska range mountains are like where Denali is at. Uh, okay. We're pretty much the farthest north town that you're going to go to. I mean, pretty much once you pass us, it really starts getting rural. We're yeah. about a four hour drive from the Arctic Circle. Um, wow. Yeah, we're we're pretty far up there. <laughs> hey, now I'm going to tell you. It's time for me to uh, share a little uh, fun fact. My brother, one of my brothers, lives in Fairbanks. Really? So I've not been yet, but but it's on my on my uh, short list. I hear I hear good <laughs> things. I hear it's actually a really fun community. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 like I said, it's, it's different, but I think if you come into it just being open to what Fairbanks has to offer, the state has to offer, you'll be fine. It's definitely somewhere I, I never thought I would end up, but, you know, things happen and opportunities open up and you just never know where you're going to end up. Do you have bear spray in your car? Because <laughs> I'm not kidding. My brother has to take bear spray with him to the bus stop with the kids in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have bear spray. <laughs> uh, well, you do have a great venue there that I'm excited to talk about. Uh, the Carlson Center. This is what, a 6,000 seat venue? Yeah, so it, it depends on um, what the setup is. We can range between 4,500 to 6,000. Um, 6,000 is more so for like uh, if we have concerts or things like that. 4,500 is more so when we have hockey. Um, the University of Alaska Fairbanks is in Fairbanks, obviously, but their hockey team actually plays here. They are a Division One team as well. Wow. What is, uh, I feel like, you probably get this all the time when you talk to people in the States about, you know, you know, got to be so different being in Alaska. But I think something probably a lot of people get used to working at an arena, you know, further south is that there tends to be this kind of season of, you know, the arena season when it's a little cooler. And then when it gets warmer, bands go play in festivals. But it's kind of, I would imagine, it stays a little cooler up there most of the year, and then it obviously has a really cold season. 
But is, do you do you find that there tends to be kind of like a an off season or an on season, or is it kind of consistent throughout the year? So, so last year we were actually closed in the summer, so I never really got to experience a summer season until this year. And I thought we would slow down, but it's like we just we just kept going, man. I mean, like yeah, yeah. Last weekend was the first weekend we didn't have something in our arena. That was, you know, a big event. Talk about some of the events you do, because you're kind of, a, you know, in addition to being an arena that hosts concerts and stuff, you're you're kind of a community center as well. Right. Right. So that's the unique thing. And honestly, that's one of the things that kind of attracted me to this position. It was it, it was originally ran. It was always owned by a borough here, which is Fairbanks North Star Borough. But it was managed by, you know, one of the bigger management companies. Um, right. The borough decided to that they wanted to self-manage which is how my position opened up. So we do a wide range of things that you probably wouldn't see in a typical arena. Like you said, we are a community center as well. So we do everything, obviously, because it's cold here. We have an indoor playground here now. Right. Um, it can get down to negative 40 degrees here, Fairbanks. That's <laughs> that's a great point. Winter, so. for, yeah. somebody, for somebody who spent some time in Chicago, knows cold weather, this is a different level of cold. <laughs> yeah, it is. And, you know, the funny thing is, like, so when I first came here, I thought it was going to feel worse than what it was. It's actually not as bad as you would think. Negative yeah. um, 40 to me feels about 30 degrees to 20 degrees in Chicago. Okay. Yeah, right. Sure. Gotcha. Because it's, well, here's the thing. It's dry here and they don't right. have wind. So, like, you're not getting that's that risk wind off the lake. It, yeah, that's true. So, so, it makes a ton of difference. I can go out in a windbreaker probably up to negative 20 at times, as long as it's not snowing, you know. Yeah. It just, it just doesn't feel this cold. But to that point, we do have an indoor playground for kids to come and parents to bring their kids so they can get them out of the house so they're just not stuck in the house all the time. Because one thing that is really a problem here is because in the winter we have so much darkness it's very depressing for people it's dark from like what like what time to what time in the winter um it starts well now we're coming down on the on the downside of it because we just had solstice but it probably starts you really start noticing it the end of this month where it kind of feels normal again where you actually have a true day and night but right. probably August, definitely September, you really notice like it's dark longer now. And we can go dark. You pretty much get used to coming to work in the dark and leaving leaving in the dark. It's probably in the in the in the highest point of that darkness. We have probably between twelve and two PM is our window of a little light. And that is wild. It's not it's not even it looks like a sunset. That's the best yeah. way to describe it because the sun isn't getting all the way up. Just, just as it's getting up, it's, it's just as the sunrise is happening, it begins to yeah. set. It's like you're, literally, you're both. literally, and and you know, I think it's kind of cool because it's just something so unique. Like you only get yeah, to experience yeah. that here, but then in the summer, it's opposite. We have all the sunlight, so right. so it's, it's like I said, it's just different. It's unique. It's, it's it's an experience that that you just have to be willing to embrace in order to to survive it and 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 to understand it. 
And you do like, you know, you know, beyond the playground, you guys host, you know, a lot of, you know, skating events. Right. And, mm-hmm. uh, and, and, you know, as, as I mentioned, some concerts too. Yeah. yeah so like I said, we do a wide variety of things here. Um, so obviously the community center side, we have the indoor playground. We do recreational skating on ice during the winter. Right now we just started this year doing roller skating, which is a big hit here. Roller um, skating. Yeah. Uh, I guess the town area used to have a roller skating rink, but it closed a while ago and had no idea people were this into roller skating. But yeah, roller skating is huge here. So we do open roller skating where it's just like our typical recreational feed of drop in. People can skate all day if they want to. But then on Friday nights, we actually do an adult night. Um, so we have concessions, beer gardens. We have themes every, every night. We bring in DJs, we do light shows, and just it was it was a hit. I was thoroughly surprised and happy that it went off so well with the community. Like I said, other things we do, obviously UAF University of Alaska Fairbanks plays here. Mm-hmm. Um, during the week, we have our youth teams. They practice here on our ice. Obviously, we had concerts. We just had Chris Young here two weeks ago. Uh, we'll have uh, Parker McCollum here in October, um, mm-hmm. working on some other acts to come up here as well. I, I feel like from that standpoint, for for us, it's probably my hardest thing to get here is concerts, just because we're routing's so, got to be tough. Exactly, yeah. routing routing is definitely tough. But at the same time, I'm starting to realize too. It seems like more acts are just getting more comfortable touring again. Yeah. So it's just always that delayed effect here like it'll start yeah. it'll start in like the main continent of america you know your la chicago's you know everywhere down there and then give it a couple of months here and then it slowly starts trickling up here where people are like all right let's go up here yeah is it something where because of the routing will you work with like other venues that are in Alaska and kind of like try to get them to come up and that way they're not just, you know, coming up to Fairbanks for one date, but they're going to like, you know, hit multiple cities up there and sort of make it a little more appealing. Is that, is that something you all have seen success from, or is that sort of usually how it goes when you have like a Chris Young, does he come up and play different cities in that area? Yes. That's, that's exactly what we, we try to do. So we're in Fairbanks and then Anchorage is south of us. So we try to work with um, some of the arenas down in Anchorage just to work together and see if we can get the same dates or, you know, same dates around the same time where we can go together and go in and bring an act up. We're actually, so Christian was like that as well. Um, when he came up, Parker McCollum is going to be the same way. Um, like I said, we're working on a couple other acts that are going to be the same way. But with those, again, it's just down to how they route up here, right? So, yeah. so we 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 want we want acts here. Our community is starving for entertainment. Um, yeah, that's probably the biggest thing that I I get asked here is is entertainment. Entertainment. When is the next concert? And it's like we're working on it. We just we just have to make it so. A, they want to come up here. B, does the routing work? And C, and the, probably the biggest one is, do we have the same dates as Anchorage? Because Anchorage is also always going to be willing to work with us because they right. want the same thing. Sure, yeah. Do you find that you all will get, like, I know sometimes artists will book, like, 
Canadian leg or they'll kind of do Canadian stuff is it usually work out that way where they'll kind of go up into Canada do dates and then that's when they'll dip up into Alaska and then come back down so I haven't ran into any of that yet with the acts that we already have booked however we are talking to one promoter who actually is going to do that that's what he's trying to do he's trying to route he's trying to catch on from the route in Canada and then come down to us Okay, interesting. Well, talk to us about your role. What is, you know, obviously, you know, you are uh, kind of in a unique position because you kind of built this from the ground up. Talk to us about your role and the things that you do on a day-to-day basis. Oh, man, Uh, a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, A lot of it is just being organized. There's so many different moving parts because we do so many different types of things here. Uh, like I said, we have our community center side to athletics to we host expos here and, and large banquets in our arena that, you know, we've had secretary of states come up for. So we do such a wide variety and I'm a part of all of that. So like my day to day is always a lot of emailing, answering questions making sure our staff knows what's going on and and making sure they have a plan to make sure we're meeting our deadlines for conversions and setups and things like that, depending on what the event is. So like, say like, you know, our, our, our UAF hockey games or concerts, I serve as like the main point of contact just so I know what's going on and I can say like, hey, that doesn't work for us. and other staff isn't getting asked questions that they might not feel comfortable answering. That's 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 a big part of it, just being organized and serving as that point of contact. People tend to, what I find, even when I'm not the main point of contact, they still try to contact me. And it's like, I have somebody in place for that. <laughs> like They yeah, literally yeah. can't answer, you, answer that yeah. question. Obviously, you know, the stuff people don't like, I hear that fairly regularly because you can't please everybody right. But definitely just a lot of day-to-day planning and making sure things are flowing the way they're supposed to flow. Do they treat you any differently because you're not a local, right? Is there, you know, uh, obviously, is there a, a Alaskan, you know, like when you're, when you're not from Texas, they know you're not from Texas. <laughs> I, You know... I do get that a little bit. There's definitely that prove yourself mentality, I feel like, from sure. some. Yeah. Um, I think that's one thing I, I've noticed. And and like I said earlier, you have to be willing to embrace things for what they are. Things are done a little bit differently here than what I'm used to coming from Chicago. And I realized that early on. So for me, it was like, okay, you know these are certain standards that you're used to having to do. These aren't the same standards here. So you need to be able to either A, convince them that your standards right, or B, don't lose your standards, but figure out how to mold them together so that I'm not losing my way in how I understand how to do things, but I'm not being such a shell shock to people here where, they're just not going to be happy and ultimately not not participate in the things that we do here. So 
that's, that's another part of things that I do here. And that's, I guess that's more personal for me, just understanding the community and, and understanding their needs and how to meet their needs. Is that something that you kind of enjoy that challenge? You know, is that one of the reasons why you sort of went to Fairbanks knowing that it, I'm sure you knew that it was going to be quite a bit of a shift and difference, but is that kind of an exciting challenge for you personally to sort of adapt and sort of use best practices from different places you've been? It is. I think one of the things that really drives me in, in, in doing things, whether it was, you know, playing sports or, you know, whatever, is is always having a challenge to figure out something new, right? And like I said, that was one of the things that drew me to this job because it was started from the from the ground up. So I was I knew I have a chance to be able to be a part of something brand new, and that was a huge attraction for me. So that that definitely is something, and probably one of the biggest things that made me decide to come here. Like I'm not gonna lie, it took me a while to make a decision. Like when I got the sure. job offer. You know, it was kind of like, oh, like like they picked me. <laughs> but <laughs> at the same time, it's like, I have to make a real decision now because in the summer, it's a six-hour flight to get from Fairbanks to Chicago on a straight flight. But in the winter, there is no straight flight to Chicago. So oh, now I'm looking at a 12 to 14-hour travel time because Jeez. of all the, the layovers and you know and it's not a cheap airfare either <laughs> no and it's and, and the other parts that it is it's like so at best i'm six hours away from my family like what happened you know if i need to get home in the winter right so all of, all of that played a role in it and like even you know just talking to people it was kind of like you know these opportunities don't come often you know yeah because you're kind of a younger guy in this role right Oh yeah, I'm definitely young. I am not your stereotypical <laughs> age for this at all. Um, I'm only 34, so the, I think the average age for this is like 50. So I'm very yeah. young. So it was kind of like you know, at the very least, go and try it and do your best at it and see what happens. Right at the very least, yeah. I have now done it, and if I don't like it, I know never to apply for anything like this again. <laughs> And if I do like it, maybe there can be another opportunity in the future, you know, if I'm not here forever. So I look at this as a as a good challenge. It's definitely made me do a lot of critical thinking in a way that I haven't had to do it because I've always been in an area where I've understood how things go. Yeah. I, I mean, credit to you on being willing to take that challenge, I think. A lot of people, myself included, you know, it's a, you, get comfortable. you have to you get comfortable on certain things or, you know, like, oh, I, I can take a risk here. I can, you know, grow here. But like how, you know, where's that line? And like, you know, if I was in your shoes, I'm not sure I'd be willing to 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 do that. But I think that's for all the reasons you mentioned, like it is such a unique and interesting opportunity. And I think it's something that people hopefully understand that, you know everything doesn't have to be permanent. You know, it's like if you, if you move somewhere for whatever the career opportunity is 
and it doesn't work out, like that's okay. You can always move, you can always move back home or you can right. always try another thing. So if you get a really unique, interesting opportunity that you think is going to challenge you and it's going to be fun to explore, like it's always worth doing. And then if it doesn't pan out the way you like it, then that's okay. And you can always come back and then you never know. It may be like just your lifelong dream that you wouldn't have never discovered. Yeah, and, and and like to to your point, like I've ran into a lot of people where so Fairbanks has two armed forces bases. We have Allison Air Force Base, and we also have Fort Wainwright. And a lot of military, surprisingly, like I run into so many people. They're like, "Oh, I came up here for the military, didn't think I was gonna like it, and got out the first chance I could, but then I realized I really loved it." And they come back here, and they've been here for fifteen, twenty years, and I mean, I don't know if I'll ever be here that long. Like, I love the Midwest. I feel like I'm going to end up back there. But to your point, it's such a unique and interesting thing. And, like, I've had such a, I would consider, maybe it's not what I would consider a different path here. You know, originally, you know, my background was in athletics. Like, that was the main work that I did, right? And then also, I've worked in community centers as well, but mainly, like, in any type of, decision-making position has been athletics and just my background and like the things that I've gone through and done dating back to my college years. I looked at this opportunity as like, you know, you've been looking and trying and, and, and working and praying on all this stuff. And this opportunity popped up and like in life, I feel like it's the different things that you don't expect that pop up that are the ones that are for you and help you get to that next level. And I, it kind of felt like this was that way. But even when I applied, I was like, manager of the call center, well, I never ran an arena before. Like I fit the qualifications, I'll apply. And at the very least I'll get an interview and at least I'll understand that process. And I got the interview, went through it. It went really well. Um, the director at the time was actually from a suburb in Illinois, so kind of had a side conversation about that. Sure. And, you know, a month later, I got a call. I was on my way from a basketball practice because I coached basketball in Chicago. They were like, we want to hire you. And I was kind of in shock because I was like, one, it was a month. It was, it was had been over a month since I had the interview. So I thought I probably just didn't get it, you know. But then, like sure. I said, once it hit, I was like, it was kind of, it was just like, okay, I really have to make a decision. And like all this stuff was just going through my mind. And it's like, you know, to get this job opportunity in a position you thought you might have been a long shot in, but they didn't think you were a long shot in. Hey, you're not giving yourself enough credit for what you, you've already done. Because all I could do yeah. is speak on what I have already done. But to be the person that you are and you know what you've gone through and understanding all those things that I went through was preparing me for something, maybe this position was that something. So for me, it was like, I have to go and do it. After 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 thinking all this through, and like I said, it took me a while. It took me probably three to four weeks to finally say yes, because even through all that, it is such a big change. Like I said, I'm so yeah. far away from family. and. And my family does mean a lot to me. You talked about your family. Talk about Chicago. What part of Chicago are you from? Oh, so I was from the Shadow neighborhood before I um 
moved here. I was living in West Town. Uh, West Town is is neighbors. I think a lot of people might know Humboldt Park, the actual park. So I was a uh, Californian division. Also, can't not talk about uh, the town I grew up in in Richmond Park, Illinois. That's where I actually had my first experience working in a community center, in our local community center there. So some of the things that they did, I do try to incorporate here because I saw those things work and and I saw the value in what it brings to the community. So it's one of those things you kind of try to take the things you've seen that work and maybe didn't work, but maybe might work a little bit better here with a little tweaking and, and, and bring them to your own place of work, you know, so. Well, your, your first college experience was what Iowa State. What, what took you to Iowa State? What were you going to do? <laughs> so my first uh, experience, I was actually going there for architecture. Really? Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, did not get into the uh, architecture, but I did get into community regional planning. Things didn't go quite the way uh, yeah. <laughs> they should have went there. I, I, I definitely had my gripes and issues there. Um, but again, like I said, I think you go through things to prepare you for, for other things. And I think that was a situation where I needed to go through the stuff that I went through there in preparation for now. Yeah, um, yeah. So in the in the end, I, I did go back to Chicago and went to Columbia College. And that's where I actually switched over and got into sports. Surprisingly, an art school, right? But it was actually a really good experience for me. Um, I, I I love that place. I still talk to my professors there. I have an appreciation that all of my teachers there were still working in their professions, heavily working in their professions. And, and like I got help from them with projects to have access to athletes that they worked with. All of our projects were, were, were real life based. So like, as a class project, we literally ran a hockey game that that took place. So we had to go out and get sponsorships, advertise all the entertainment during intermission, you know, concourse entertainment, things for players like. Those are the types of projects that we had there and it was all real life based. So it gave us an opportunity to go through those processes. And to actually get real feedback, whether it's from, you know, you know, the people that we were working with, with the teams, players. Um, I had a project where I literally had to kind of be an agent to some degree, but not an agent. We were managers. I had to find a player, a team overseas. So it literally came down to like, if I don't find this guy a team, he will not get paid this year. <laughs> so it, it was yeah. like, so it, those types of experiences, I feel like, again, prepares you for that next level and i appreciated that so much from columbia and i think that's an aspect that people don't realize about columbia college i would highly recommend that place for anybody who, who really just wants to dive in and and, and get your hands in there and, and, and make so many different connections like it was awesome and then um i have my master's at arkansas state again love that place um actually got my master's right when the pandemic hit and um is that a good thing? Did that give you more time to like study and be at home? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it did. Kind of, you know, I feel bad for saying this, but it was a great time to get your master's during that because yeah, everybody was working from home, right? So you had the time to do it. 
And the unfortunate part is a lot of people were getting laid off at that time, but it also opened up jobs because you knew once this pandemic was over, those jobs were going to be open. And fortunate for me, we started seeing everything starting to open up a little bit in certain spots, hence this position. (laughs) So I was able to apply for it um, once I once I was finishing up my master's. So yeah, Arkansas State was a great experience as well. I mean, again, kind of the same thing. You know, we had professors who some were still working, some were retired. They just didn't want to do it anymore. They enjoyed teaching, but they again they still had that same insight. You know, very uh, I guess a good way to call it is youthful in their field. So yeah, definitely, definitely I feel like everything that I went through was in preparation for this. I get that. And and you got some, you know, really unique experiences along the way. One of my favorite things that you did was, you know, when you were working with, and I'd like to hear you talking about this, some of the, the mm-hmm. students who had, you know, behavioral issues over the years yeah. and, and kind of how, you know, you were the, you were the man, you were the last chance before they were removed from school in some cases. Yeah. So that was interesting. Uh, typically, by the time I would work with them, if they weren't kicked out of their normal class, they were on the verge of being kicked out. And it was pretty much a situation where it was like, if you can't get your stuff together, you're going to alternative school. And most parents don't want their kids to go to alternative school. <laughs> so I I definitely started having more of a relationship with their parents and the students. But I think the biggest takeaway from working with kids like that I know this might sound cliche or some people might think you just you're just sucking up or not being, you know, not seeing them for who they are is those kids really aren't bad. One thing I think people don't do enough in general is talk to people. People make too many prejudgments about people just based on how they look. I mean, I'll be honest, like I, I see it at times. People don't realize that. I am the GM here. Like they like they kind of they'll at times ask my staff or staff that looks older than me a lot of questions that they should be asking me and like won't even look my way. Yeah, because you're you're blessed with a very for the for our podcast listeners, you you're blessed with a very young face, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So they even it gets so bad at times like my staff have to be like, you know, like this is the manager of the facility. And they're like, Okay. And then I'll keep talking to them and it's like, no, you need to talk to yep. him. So yeah, yeah. With that being said, like going back to working with these kids, it's like you have to be willing to talk to them. Like we gotta get out of this situation where and it's an old school mentality of you're a kid, you're you are to be seen, not heard. That doesn't work with this generation anymore. They don't have to necessarily be in charge all the time, but they want to be heard. And a lot of times if you sit and talk to these kids, these kids go through a lot. And when I say a lot, I'm talking like everything from seeing their parents do things they shouldn't be doing. I've had kids that literally would go home and be put in a cage. I've had kids that literally their parents, and I'm talking kindergartners and first graders, having drugs put in their in their food. And then they come to school acting crazy and nobody understands why and nobody wants to ask what's going on. They just see it. Um, 
I've had kids literally try to take baths in sinks in the school. I've had kids just flat out cuss out a teacher because that teacher always just triggers them based off of something that happens at home. And it could and it could be something as simple as a look. But because nobody has ever talked to these kids, they don't realize that if you just didn't look at them that way, they wouldn't cuss you out. If you just didn't do thing A, then thing B wouldn't happen. And that was the biggest thing that helped me get through the kids to start getting them to do their work and slowly progressing them back into their class. But also with that being said, people also need to realize when they start seeing change in people, even if it's not the change that you want to see or it's not a full change yet, give that person that credit. They yeah. need to they need to hear that. They need to see that. They need to feel that because while it might seem simple for you based on how you were raised, it's not simple for them. This is something totally new for them. It's so hard to get a kid to understand that, you know, flipping off your teachers or pushing kids down is actually not a good thing to do. But when their parents are telling them that's how you do things, it's hard to tell a kid their parent is wrong. Well, like, in fact, I would not recommend anybody to tell a kid their parent is wrong because kids are ride or die with their parents, like, fully. So as soon as, again, that's a trigger for them. If you tell them their parents are wrong, they're shut down from you. And then they'll go tell their parent, and then now you got a whole nother issue because the kid is crazy because the parent is crazy. Right. So now you got all of this coming up to your school and all the extra drama that's unnecessary. So my biggest thing is you you have to be willing to talk and listen and truly listen, like be open to thought, be open to the things that they're telling you, because once they start telling you, that is a sign that they are starting to trust you. And the worst thing you could do is betray their trust. Sounds like that's something you take into your job, you know, currently. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely. Um, other part of that is coaching, just being around kids and coaching them, understanding like kids do want to be heard, and then working with the kids with behavioral issues. That's just a whole nother extreme of that. Yeah. And then now you're dealing with adults in this job. A lot of people just want to be heard. And that's one of the things that I try to do so much within this community is just listen. And like, please tell me what you want, because I can just keep throwing stuff at the wall until something sticks. But the more I throw it at the wall and it doesn't stick, the more negativity it will be about this facility, because it's like they never do anything more. Or right. what's the point of the borough taking over if they don't do things for the community? Like, well, tell me, like, tell me, like, I'm willing to try it. I'm willing to do it. Just tell me what you want. Yeah. And that's why I'm so happy that skating has been such a big hit. I'm glad that, you know, indoor playgrounds are, are such a hit. I'm glad that us hosting birthday parties here has been such a hit. I'm glad that people are starting to see that however you might have felt about this facility in the past, which from my understanding wasn't necessarily positive. We're starting to see that shift of people actually want to do things here now because they see that we are trying to be open to everyone. This isn't just a place where you can come play hockey. 
this is a place where you can come play basketball. Like right now we have open gym going on with basketball hoops out. Like where where else can you come to an arena and play basketball and do right. inline skating and play pickleball or come come do roller skating in the ring or come play or practice for a youth hockey team? You know, we're trying to be open to all of this. Um, in the winter when we have hockey here, when the university is going out of town, we actually have an organization called Fairbanks Youth Soccer Association, FYSA. They actually put a sport court over our ice because we do have a nice cover here and they play soccer in here, you know, and they have wow. tennis courts, they have pickleball, they have a basketball court. So we're really trying to push the narrative and show the community that we want you here. However you felt about this place before, that was in the past. We're trying to push this thing forward and make it for everyone. You know, I feel like that message is starting to get placed in the community in a, in a, in a way that they actually trust that message now. I think that is amazing to really have the building serve that community purpose, really more than we see or hear any other buildings doing, you know, and, and some of that I think is out of necessity. Like you mentioned, like, you know, an indoor playground or something, it's kind of like matching that need for the community, but also it's like, how can you really serve the community and listen to what they want and not just, you know, I think, a lot of arenas do become these sort of machines of just, you know, pumping out, you know, concerts and, and which are also mm -hmm. what the community wants. So I'm not trying to, <laughs> uh, you know, say that's a negative thing, but, but it, I think it's really inspiring to hear about sort of the, the outside the box ideas and, and really how you all are pushing and prioritizing you know, matching the community and meeting them at their needs and listening to them. Like I loved your message about listening. That was something I just had a conversation with one of my staff about yesterday, where we were at a really big outdoor event festival that we produce. And, you know, you get a lot of different people that come up and talk to you and some people are happy to see you and other people have really big complaints and, mm -hmm. and you kind of have to just learn to hear them out. Most of the time people just want to be heard. So that's literally what I yes. said is, you know, people mm -hmm. might come in, come up to you and they're pretty hot, you know, and, and you can kind of read that, but just hear them mm -hmm. out and listen to them. And when you listen to their concern and tell them, you know, where things are at and, you know, show them that you care about what that concern is and how you can try to meet them there, you know, that's often what people want to hear. And then they walk away with a good experience because they know that, like, they have a an ally in you and that you're, you know, you're not just this, you know, corporation over here that they might, you know, conflate in their mind. And so, I don't know. I mean, credit to you all on really kind of... Uh, doing something super unique up there. I think that's really great. Yeah, and, and that's the biggest thing that we're trying to push here is this is for the community. Like I said, however you felt about this facility in the past, like that's the past, like we're doing something different. And everything that I've done here, everything that we bring to the table when I talk and meet with, you know, the person who does programming here or the person who does events here is it has to be something for everyone in the community to be able to do. Yeah, we'll have our niche things. Like, not everybody plays hockey, right? Not everybody plays basketball. But that's why we have open gym times for that, that type of stuff. But in general, when we do do our large events, like our, our, our ties and tier dances, which is like a daddy-daughter dance, pretty much. 
like when we do those things, make sure that we're putting it out there so that the entire community, A, hears about it, but the entire community feels welcome to come. I think that's the thing that that people tend to miss at times where they get so stuck on hitting certain people because they're just the regulars that come through the door every time. I think it's very important. You want to continue to attract your regulars, but you you also need to make sure that you're hitting the people who don't come because those are the people that probably aren't coming because they don't feel comfortable or welcome. And that's probably one of the hardest things for me here is reaching those people. And and it's for a variety of reasons. Um, like I said, one of the biggest ones is we're the farthest north town pretty much in the state. Once you get past us, you literally start going into villages. And when I say villages, I'm talking like 400 people, maybe a thousand people. Yeah. The only way you get there is through plane or, you know, you know, or, or a very long car ride, but yet they're still a part of our borough. And right. if you're a part of this borough, you're a part of our community, which means we need to try to do things and reach you. And so that's a challenge that I'm still working on. I'm, I'm hoping to figure this out sooner rather than later because I want them a part of it. They deserve to be a part of it and they should be a part of it. What do you like to do on a day off? What do you do for fun? Oh, man, a day off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what, what are those? Oh, I don't get too many of those. Uh, honestly, man, when I get a day off, I, I spend a lot of time at home just resting. In the winter, it's hard to do things because I don't do a lot of winter sports. Uh, skiing is popular here. I'm just not a skier. You know, I used to fish when I was in Chicago. That's probably my relaxing thing to do. I haven't been able to do that a ton here. I've done it a little bit. I play basketball still from time to time, which I'm really bad at now, out of shape. <laughs> well, you're in luck. I know of this place that has an open gym that is yeah. – uh, <laughs> <laughs> Go down there, get some shots up during lunch. <laughs> right. I would say probably the, big, the things I do enjoy, though, when I can't get time off. So, prime example, uh, I did go down to Anchorage for the first time over the holidays, so that was nice. Got to experience my first earthquake while I was down there. It was a 4.7. So oh, I felt wow. the shake of that. That was interesting. Uh, but yeah, probably it would definitely be fishing. That's like my relaxing thing to do. Like I said, I don't get to do it much here, but that's my relaxing thing to do, just to be out in nature. Well, you are working hard and, and, and making a real difference in the community. I think it's very admirable, uh, some of the things you've done and, and taking this risk. What, a, what an adventure. Before we let you go, I want to hit you with our fast five. It's five quick questions, just looking for your, your instant response. First up, do you remember your very first concert? Oh, my first concert. Wow. I don't remember it, but I know it had to have been the Taste of Chicago. <laughs> you <go>. Okay. <laughs> do, you have, do you have a favorite concert? Yeah, actually, um, this one's actually probably is different from what I've heard from the before from you guys. Uh, it was actually probably Count Basie and his oh, band. Wow, yeah, very cool. How about um, it's a really really cold day. What's more important, a good hat or good gloves? Gloves, gloves. <laughs> <laughs> is there an Alaskan food specialty that you enjoy, like something they do really well there? Salmon. It's got to be the salmon because it's so fresh. I bet. I bet. 
Uh, last question for you. Um, what's your what's your theme song? So there's a TV show all about your life up there in Alaska and everything you're doing, uh, all about your life every day. What's the song that plays over the the opening credits that that, that is the uh, the Mr. Eccles show? <laughs> oh man. Uh, I'm coming home again. I think that's the name of it. What is it? It's a Kanye West song. Yeah, that might be right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, before we let you go, somebody wants to reach out to you. Uh, LinkedIn, I think you said, is the best way for people to reach out to you. Yeah, LinkedIn. Um, that's probably the best way to reach out to me. Uh, I try to keep my socials private because. I think that goes back from working in schools. I started getting too many kids like trying to frame me, and it's like, no, we're not doing this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If somebody wants to check out the Carlson Center, where's the uh, best place for them to go learn more? Check out our Facebook page. We're always posting on there. We always keep things updated. There is the Fairbanks North Star Borough Carlson Center. There you go. Awesome. Hey, thank you so much for making the time for us today. We really appreciate it. Uh, thanks for having me. Uh, well, I think the last thing I just would like to say is, man, just if you have a dream to do something or you want to do something, just do it. And that may sound so cliche, but like, don't don't let people like discourage you. Like, just do it. Like, I've had people just tell me like I should just give up and quit, and like going back to undergrad and just don't listen to them. Like, believe in yourself and like advocate for yourself. Like. If you have the passion to do something, do it. Don't don't let standards, don't let statistics, don't let anything deter you from doing it. Because honestly, like I'm doing it. And trust me, I went through a lot of stuff to get here. And I'm defying all the statistics in my position to be where I'm at. So don't don't let other people handcuff you and tell you you can't do something. I got chills, oh, man. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Uh, thank you awesome. so much for your time and a, and a big thanks to everybody for listening to this episode of Adventures in Venue Land. Remember, you can subscribe and find more episodes wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. We do love your five-star reviews so others can find us. Until the next adventure, I'm Dave Rettelberger. And I'm Paul Hooper. Thanks for listening, everyone. Adventures in Venue Land is a side project of the Event and Venue Marketing Conference, a marketing conference that brings together diversified event and venue professionals to cultivate education, collaboration, and innovation for the growing sports and live entertainment industry. Find out more at eventvenuemarketing.com. Audio editing and mixing by Camille Faulkner. Design and digital advertising by Megan Ebeck. Copywriting and publicity by Samantha Marker. Guest booking and brand strategies by Paul Hooper. Guest research by Dave Rettelberger. Marketing strategies by Paul Hooper, Megan Ebeck, and Samantha Marker. Thanks for joining us. Until the next adventure.